Welcome to the C3 SYD podcast. Our heart for you is that you would know Jesus, find community and discover purpose. To find out more about our church, head to our website at c3syd.church. We hope that this message encourages you today. Uh, we, are, we are just so excited and it is just so good to get the family together. And so we're going to have such a blast this week. Uh, here's what I want to say before I start. Friday night, so Friday night, uh, we're going to put it out there to you that on Friday night, if you have a friend, someone in your world that maybe doesn't know Christ, uh, maybe is on a, a journey, maybe you've got someone who's kind of been around been walking with God once upon a time, but are distant. Maybe there's someone in your world that's a bit on the fringe. Friday night, we're gonna extend the invitation for you to bring them. So it's not an open night. It's for specific people in your world that you're praying for. I've got one and I'm, I, 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 I love this story, but I, I can't tell it now because it's in my message a bit later. So just, everyone just calm down, <laughs> calm down. But I, I just believe that uh, as we spend this time together in God's presence, what God is doing in us is gonna flow out into the streets and out into Sydney. And I have the sense that God is preparing our city and preparing your families and your friends for an encounter with God, for them to come to Christ. And we've been seeing a lot of people return to God, like people have been you know, following God and COVID happened and we're all kind of been returning. But I am believing for people that have never known Jesus to come to Christ. I'm believing for people to be born again as we boldly talk about Jesus. And here's the thing, everybody, we can't just talk about God. Like I'm not saying God's bad, God's great. But, but you gotta understand, a lot of people are talking about God. God's the universe, God's the air, God's the ocean, God's... But we need to talk about specifically who God is. And narrow is the road. It is for all, but it is through one door. And that door has a name. And when you say His name, there is a friction that happens. There is power in that name. That's why when you say any other name, it doesn't have the same rub. It doesn't have the same resistance. But when you say the name of Jesus, something in the spiritual realm responds. So we must say His name. We must talk about His name. It's easy to talk about God, but what happens when you put Jesus in there? The Bible hangs on that one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And I'm believing for a move of God and a fresh wave of evangelism. I've not started my message, but I'm preaching right now. Because <laughs> I believe it, I believe it. And I think that's what God is preparing us for in Jesus' Name. So here's the thing, I, I've, been, I've been praying and asking God for a while about this moment 
and, and this time that we have together. And I, I felt like God bring me to the book of Revelation, which is a risky place to go, everybody. <laughs> Woo. Woo. And so we're going to go there. Because I was thinking about this, you know, like what, what really is the biggest threat to a believer? What is, what is the biggest threat to the church? And as I was thinking about it and studying about it, reading in the book of Revelation chapter three, the thing I realised is the biggest threat isn't the devil. You know, he's a defeated foe. He's, he sucks. He's cooked. He's cooked in the hot house, as Ben said. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I, I don't think he is actually our biggest threat. I, I don't think people are our biggest threat, even though sometimes it feels like it. I, I don't think the media is. I don't think the government is. I don't think the state of this broken world that we live in is our biggest threat. You know what I think our biggest threat is? Self-sufficiency. I think the biggest threat to every follower of Jesus especially in the Western world we live in, is self-sufficiency. When I'm saying that, I don't mean like taking responsibility for yourself, having self-control or being self-aware. I mean, when we come to a place where we actually believe that we are self-made, self-dependent and self-sufficient. And I love the story of Peter and John in the book of Acts, Acts 3 verse 6 says this, Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, he said to the lame beggar at Gate Beautiful. We read on in Acts 4, Peter and John are dragged before the Sanhedrin and questioned about this miracle. In Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised, look, they were unschooled, ordinary men. Ordinary, 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 ordinary. They were astonished. They got out their journal. Dear diary, says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that is what changed everything about them. Not their ability, their dependence on God. Can you imagine a church in the city of Sydney? Imagine a church called C3SYD, completely and utterly dependent on God. Imagine as a parent, as a friend, as a spouse, as a single person, as a worker in any setting. Imagine what your life could look like when you are completely dependent on God. 
And when I say dependent on God, again, I'm not saying lazy. I'm not saying, I'm saying dependent on God, not codependent, where you're not taking responsibility for yourself and expecting God to do everything for you, but dependent on God, relying on God, looking to God, trusting in God, drawing near to God, building your life on Jesus Christ, dependent on Him. Imagine, you know what it would look like? This is what it would look like. It would look like people would talk about, like Psalm 66 says, come and see what the Lord has done. That would be the sound. I believe that is what God is gonna do in our city, that people are gonna be saying, not just you and I, people saying, come and see what the Lord has done. And it will not be, look at what they have done, because that is too low of a bar. We are not gonna settle for, look at what we have done. We are not gonna bow to that bar It says, look at what we have done. We're gonna live with a conviction that says we are expecting beyond measure, abundant work of God in our city so that God gets all the glory and we can say with confidence and conviction, look at what the Lord has done. Turn to someone next to you and say, look at what the Lord has done. Look. Look, not what we've done, not what you've done. Look at what God has done. So let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, 14 to 22. I want you to track with me. I'm going to read it. I'm going to give you some context and we're going to make some points. And then we're going to pray for everybody. Well, not everybody, but we're going to pray. And we're going to get you out of your seat and we're going to seek God together and we're going to have an encounter in Jesus' mighty name. I believe tonight is going to be a moment of fresh consecration for us as a church. And some of you are going to rediscover the call of God that has always been on your life, but you've put it down. It's time to pick it back up in Jesus' name. So verse 14, it says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. That's referring to who Jesus is. I know your works. Jesus is speaking. This is John on the island of Patmos. He's in prison. He's having a vision by the power of the Holy Spirit on the Lord's day. And Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in Asia. And he says to John to say this, put it to pen. I know your works to the church in Laodicea. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot or hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Uh Uh-oh. For you say I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked, it gets pretty rough in Revelations. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve oil to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I hate, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. What did it say? 
those whom I love. So God will speak to you and He'll correct you, not because He hates you, because He loves you. Why is Jesus writing this letter to the church? Not because He hates the church, because He loves them. Just like a good parent loves their child by disciplining them, that's that's the sign of love, proof of it. And he says, those whom I love I approve and discipline, so be zealous. Everyone say zealous. And repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Isn't that amazing? In John's vision, you've got to understand, because we have heard this, we've heard this hot or cold, and generally we have heard it as hot means on fire for God, and cold means a non-believer. But in context, what we have to understand is this is in reference to two surrounding cities to Laodicea. Next to Laodicea is a place called Colossae and a place called Hierapolis. Hierapolis. Nailed it. And in Hierapolis, there is hot water. And in Colossae, there is cold water. And the hot water is medical water used for healing. And in Colossae, there is cold water, fresh water used for drinking. But in Laodicea, Laodicea had lukewarm water because by the time the water from Hierapolis travelled down to Laodicea, it had become lukewarm and that rendered it useless. At best, useless. At worst, vomit-worthy. And this is what Jesus is referring to. He's referring to the fact that they have become lukewarm or indifferent. Neither hot nor cold, in between. Little bit of this, little bit of that. Kind of into it, kind of not. Sort of for it, sort of not at the same time. On the fence. Lukewarm, lukewarm, indifferent. And the interesting thing about Laodicea is Laodicea is a city that had an earthquake, a a horrific earthquake that destroyed the city. And it was common that there would be government support to help rebuild the city. Laodicea was a city that declined the help from the government because they had their own resources and their own wealth to rebuild their own city without anybody else helping them. They were self-sufficient. Physically, naturally, not a problem, but disastrous when that natural reality has become a spiritual one. Laodicea have come to a place where spiritually they have become self-sufficient. And the church was now reflecting the city they were in. The church now spiritually was reflecting the natural environment they were in. And Jesus said, that's not my kingdom. This church, He said, is filled with the wrong kingdom. 
And that's why we're not trying to build a church here in Sydney that looks like or tastes like or has the same spirit as the world. That's why we're not trying to do something in Avalon or the way to Silverwater anywhere that God positions us. We are reaching people there, but we are creating a different spirit. It is the spirit of God's kingdom. It should not look as we are the same as the world. I, I, think, I, think, I think the danger is that the world would be very comfortable with us just doing our nice little thing over in the corner. You know, like I think, I think the spirit of the world, the, the, the kingdom of the world, people and atmospheres would be saying, oh, well, you know, the, ch- the, the church is fine actually, as long as they just pipe down. As long as you just have your nice little church, nice little, nice little thing over in the corner and don't disturb the atmosphere around here and don't disturb the culture around here. And as long as you look like us, we're fine with you. But there should be a rub. There should be a point of friction. There should be a level to which we don't look the same. If we look the same, then we have not got the Kingdom of God because the Kingdom of God tastes different, looks different, operates differently to the Kingdom of this world. John 15 verse nine, Jesus said, if you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. I would be worried if people love us too much. If we're too accepted, by the world, I think we have a bit of a problem. We, we, there should be a level to which we don't fit in, but we stand out because we are the people of God. What does this mean? What does this mean? This is what I'm trying to say. You ready? This is what I'm trying to say. It means we are not going to build an apathetic church in an apathetic culture. It means we're gonna build a fervent, on fire, hungry for God church in an apathetic culture. It means... This is what it means. This is what I'm trying to say tonight. This is what it means. We are not going to build a narcissistic, consumeristic church in a narcissistic and consumeristic culture. We're going to build a selfless, servant-hearted, mobilised church on a mission in a narcissistic and consumeristic culture. This is what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say we're not going to build a self-sufficient, self-made, self-defining church in a self-sufficient, self-made, self-defining culture. We're going to build a God-dependent, God-made, God-defined church in a self-sufficient, self-made, and self-defining culture. That's what I'm saying. The church in Laodicea had become spiritually what the city was naturally. Self-sufficient, And we have the same danger as a church in Sydney. We are wealthy. We are blessed. We have plenty. We have an abundance. As a church, we are blessed. We have plenty. We have an abundance. We have a wonderful legacy. But the trap is that we become spiritually self-sufficient. And when we are self-sufficient, we drift from God. We drift. We drift. We drift. We drift. It's not that you meant to, but you did drift. And we drift into indifference. Self-sufficiency perpetuates indifference. 
when I am relying on myself and building my life on my own ability and resource, this is our greatest threat. I was talking to our, uh, our builder who's helping us renovate. Praise God. And this builder, he is amazing. We've had so many amazing chats. And um, we were talking about these beams. We had to get some big beams in. We knocked down some walls uh, and I knocked them down and uh, I am ripped. And, so, uh, and uh, we had to get some, some beams in, a lot of beams actually. And uh, we had to get this really big beam in. It was like 550 kilos. It's a, that's a big beam. So I called Sateki Latu and said, hey, just take it. <laughs> And hurry up. A bunch of guys from my connect group came. We had like 10 of us there helping out and uh, we were able to do it. And I was talking to my builder and the builder said, you know the danger, we had, we had a 550 kilo beam and we had an 80 kilo beam. And he said, you know, the interesting thing is when you're putting in the 550 kilo beam, uh, it, it, it takes a lot of focus and attention. You gotta be really diligent. And he said, often what happens is people, when they're putting in a big beam, they put all this effort and energy into that. And when they do it, they think they're amazing. I think, look at us. We put that beam in, we are amazing. And then they go and get a little beam and it falls on their head. Because <laughs> they got a little bit overly confident about their ability. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit recently challenging me in talking to people about God. And like I said before, to actually talk to them about Jesus. And I, I realised that actually I, I have drifted into a place where I've been relying on my ability to explain God, to advertise church, to talk about and relying on my ability, all the, the things, the mechanisms we have, been relying on that, I, I have felt the Holy Spirit correct me. Say, hey, rely on me. Get out of the way. I'm trying to reach this person and you and your big head talking, talking, talk, talk, talk. Shut up. Let me do something here. And you know, on our, on our building site, we've had uh, like a bunch of different tradesmen and every single tradesman has asked me about God and I've told them about Jesus. I didn't push for it. They asked me, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And then they, they came back around and said, well, we, we want to ask you some questions. We drift, we drift, we drift. We drift away from dependence on God. Look what Jesus says again to the church in Laodicea. Remember he said, you are prospering, you're rich, you have need of nothing, but spiritually you look very different. Listen, self-sufficiency will lead to spiritual poverty. You can have the whole world, but be extremely poor in your soul. Self-sufficiency leads to spiritual poverty. And so Jesus says to them, you are spiritually poor. So come to me and have a transaction with me. 
and I will give you true riches. He says, I would counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. What is gold refined by fire? Character and calling through consecration. Rich in character, rich in calling. Gold refined by fire, the fire of God. I believe the fire of God is gonna come on some people this week. You will be refined and you'll trade in what has been not working. Your poverty spiritually for power in His Kingdom. If you will come and repent and say, God, I need You. I need You. Come and get gold refined by fire. Then he says, come and get white garments. Do you know that Laodicea was known for their manufacturing of clothing? And Jesus says, your clothes suck. Come and get mine. White garments, what does this mean? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Clothed in true identity and true covering from God. Then it says, come and get salve, oil to anoint your eyes. This speaks of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says, so that you can see. See clearly. Have visions and revelation of who Jesus is and where He's leading you. And I believe this for you this week. I believe some of us, we're gonna step into the call of God and be refined by fire. I believe some of us, we're gonna step into the identity of Christ afresh. You've been living in insecurity and you're gonna step into security in your identity and who God says you are, trading in for what Jesus can give you. I believe you're gonna step into vision and revelation, direction and clarity by the power of the Holy Spirit. Band, I'd love you to join me. So what does Jesus, so band joins, what does Jesus say to them to do? He says, be zealous. Everyone say zealous. And repent. What does repent mean? Repent just means just come back. Just come back, just turn. Just come back to me, God is saying. Be zealous. The word zealous means to be marked. Marked by an active interest, (laughs) passion and enthusiasm. You know, Oakland, uh, he is really zealous about playing soccer with me. And I love it. I love it. We were kicking the ball the other day. And uh, we were kicking and I was there, I was present. Trying to be present, kicking the ball, giving him my full focus. And then, and then Jess was talking to me. So it's really Jess's fault. <laughs> and Jess was talking to me. And, and I was talking to Jess and I was still kicking the ball. And Oakland stopped. He stopped me. And he, he, he stared at me and he said, No! This kid shook his finger at me. He's two. No. Ball, Daddy. Ball. No. And then he said, Mummy, bye. Bye. You know what that means? 
you may leave. <laughs> you may leave. Passionate, focused, engaged, not indifferent. Self-sufficiency perpetuates indifference, makes us lukewarm. But the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. If there is a couple and there's a terrible situation and one of the partners gets another partner and there's a, a break of trust, the partner who has lost their loved one to another person, if they didn't care, that would not be a sign of love. The fact that they are angry is the sign of love. God is a jealous God and His jealousy is the sign of His love that He does not share and He does not want to share. He does not want mixture. He does not want a little bit. He wants all of you. He wants your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, good, bad and ugly. He wants all. And I believe that God is calling us to come back to full dependence on Him. Jesus speaks two promises. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. Two things happen as we are zealous for God. As we, as we depend on Him, we will find ourselves having fellowship and intimacy with Jesus Christ. That is, we, we want full fellowship with Jesus around here. We want that when people walk in and they step into a service and we are worshipping, that people encounter Jesus. We want in our connect groups that as we are laughing, eating, reading the Bible together, that people encounter Jesus. We want in your home, as you lead your family, as you lead your life, that you have Jesus Christ with you, that you know Him closely. And it says that they conquer with Jesus. When we open the door and we depend on God again, we will have fellowship and we will conquer. We will conquer. We will conquer. We will persevere. We'll have victory through Jesus Christ as we make our hearts and lives wide open to Him. Amen, church. Amen. And I believe that God wants to grant us a willing spirit. David said this in Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from Your presence or take Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I've heard uh, three people recently, I've heard stories of three people who've, who've been asked to step into something in a new capacity to serve God. And the story that's come back is they have not been sure whether to do it or not, but they felt the Holy Spirit say, Are you willing? Are you willing? And I believe that's the question to you and I tonight. Are you willing? Are you willing to consecrate? Are you willing to step all the way in? 
Are you willing to dive in to God afresh? Some of you have done this once upon a time, but it's time to do it afresh. It's a new era, it's a new day, and let's get consecrated for it in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 SYD podcast. To make sure you don't miss out on our next podcast, click subscribe. If you want to find out more about following Jesus, get connected or find a C3 SYD location near you, head to c3syd.church forward slash connect with us. Don't forget you can find us on YouTube and Instagram at c3.syd. We look forward to having you back soon.